Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Alex McLaren. I'm an actor and I've worked as a communications coach since 2002. Now so much business is being conducted remotely, the ways in which we talk, present, build relationships and connect is changing. In this podcast, I want to explore all those issues and prove to you that no matter who you are, you can talk to anyone. Hello and welcome to You Can Talk to Anyone, the podcast where we open the bonnet on our communications engine. I'm Alex. And I'm Tom. And this week I wanted to talk about something inspired by last Friday. I want to talk about touching people, Tom. Okay. And just to freak the listeners out, I'm going to put my hand on the table and ask you to put your hand in mine. And there it is. How's that? Uh, unusual. Uh, we've over the last two years we've got into this position where we only really touch the people that we live with. Yeah, yeah. And I'm. Um, uh, uh, I mean, obviously, we we shake hands with people we're first meeting, and I've known you for twenty years, and here we are. But we probably haven't done this since we were in an improv scene together. Wouldn't be surprised. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, are you feeling the sort of the freaky weirdness yet? Or a little uh, bit. Yeah, I'm feeling it a little yeah. bit too. Yeah. Should we let go? Yeah. Yeah. Quick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just really, I'm really interested in this, partly because I think that by nature, I am quite a tactile person. I want to kind of explore that a little bit because it has all sorts of jeopardy and consequences in the way we engage with other people. On Friday, basically, I was, uh, I was at a, I was running a session. Um, it actually happened on Wednesday too, in, in which I was face to face in a room with people who, in fact, in the first case, I'd never met her in person, although we've done lots of Zooms and Teams calls together. Um, and when it was finally, oh, God, it's you, we both were kind of like, oh, we're going for a hug. Ah. Um, and then the set on Friday, I was uh, the, the few days later, again, I was seeing people I hadn't seen for ages. And there was just this sense of, although we are not friends, friends, you know, we're sort of like people haven't seen each other for ages. It was a little bit like the um, airport arrivals lounge at the beginning of Love Actually, the only mm. bit of the film I like, incidentally, um, in which people are just reaching out towards each other and physically touching each other. Um, and there was also, I think, in that a feeling that, uh, I can't. I think maybe the risk was simply to do with the coronavirus and the mm. fact that we really are trying to work out have, has everything fundamentally changed. I mean, like so much of this stuff, it's all kind of rooted in animal instincts, isn't it? Hmm. If I let you touch me, then there is a chance that you will decide to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so while you're at arm's length or further away, I can at least see you coming. And if I need to, I can duck out of the way. And again, it's when we're under pressure, when we're under stress, that these unwelcome, unwanted and inappropriate old ways of behaving 
Mm. start seeping back in. There's very little we can do about the feelings. All we can do is try to control our behavior, our responses. Yeah, I remember at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, there was this, uh, when everybody was two meters apart all of the time, I remember there was a, a moment when the British Prime Minister <laughs> basically announced that he was going around shaking everybody's hands and didn't have a problem with it at all. And it was quite clearly just not safe for the public health for that kind of physical contact to happen between people. And so I, I was very curious as to what this was going to do to the physical language of people and interactions with each other. Yeah, he was going up and touching people uh, and not giving them the mistaken impression due to a million years of evolution that he might be going to did kill them. He actually could he have actually killed could, them. Could actually have killed them. And, and for all we know, and this is he the did. problem, yeah. he did. I mean, the the he's really interesting in that he's got this very sort of boisterous, childish brand. Um, and I think that that's relevant to his kind of physical style. Um, I was just thinking about the sort of the journey we have in terms of touching other people. You know, when your newborn baby is born, you're strongly encouraged by wise um, uh, maternity wards to basically carry them around skin on skin. Um, and uh, the, the kind of the, the family life, you know, when we're, and children with each other is very, very physical because I suppose your children need that kind of comfort constantly all of the time. And also children are not dangerous to each other in the way that heavy adults are. Um, and then there's a kind of, I suppose I'm thinking of my own childhood. I have three brothers and we're all we're constantly hugging each other. And then when you're teenagers, suddenly this element creeps in, which is violence and sex mm. for the first time, which starts to affect our own relationship to our choices. Suddenly know. there are specific people or specific types of people that you desperately want to touch you. Yeah. And equally, <laughs> there are certain people or certain types of people who you desperately don't want to touch you. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's also, even when there's a kind of, you're, you're trying to establish some sort of uh, kind of rules of physicality with other people, you've got their own issues and their own consent to feed into it. And I think that is something which has, uh, was, was really, for me, interesting in the pandemic, in that I was looking at things very much from my own instinctive point of view. Um, and I was assuming that other people would be hungry for much more of that mammalian friendliness to come back. But that absolutely wasn't the case. Um, I started discovering that there's lots of people going, thank God I no longer have to do any of these accepted cultural patterns of physicality. I don't have to shake hands with people when I don't like shaking hands. My, you know, either my hands feel sweaty or I know his hands are sweaty and I don't like. <laughs> um, or, you know, the, 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 uh, there was a, uh, I remember once a session I ran many years ago when somebody asked me, well, what are the rules of air kissing? Mm. Um, and these were young people. They were, they were, part of an apprentice group who joined an insurance firm so they uh, they were so they're very young and they were just very conscious that in an international organization there were these different patterns of adult physicality that nobody had uh, coached them on there's an anglo-french comedian called mm. paul taylor uh, who uh, grew up in britain but moved to france mm. uh, i think he had french parents so uh, his french accent is extremely good and he does these bilingual comedy shows. They're very funny, very interesting. One of the things he talks about, as someone who is culturally English, mm. but who lives and works in France, is la bise. Mm. French kissing each other when they meet each other. Well, what, 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 what the rules are. Uh, who do you kiss? When do you kiss them? How many kisses? 
Uh, and he says, uh, Paul, everyone, everyone tells me that uh, you just have to, you just have to know. But what are the rules? <laughs> Do you think you know the rules, sir? To someone in the front row, hey, yeah, I know the rules. Okay, what are the rules? And the guy goes. C'est compliqué. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, I mean, so uh, this is, and I think that the, what's interesting about that is it, it actually, in the grey area, um, it's allowing people to learn things about each other, which if there were absolutely rigid rules that everybody um, followed perfectly every time, we would not be learning. And in fact, I, I suppose that it, it, it only becomes very comfortable and easy with people when you do know those things already and you're comfortable and relaxed, members of your family, your close friends, so forth. But when you're, particularly when you're engaging with people for the first time, as you approach each other, there's, he's going left, he's going right. Um, <laughs> yes. How French is he? Um, you know, I mean, do, do, all of those questions are going to are going to feed into the sort of the impressions that we're taking from each other, um, and and I think the sort of the stress and anxiety of being an outsider in those circumstances will itself be a kind of a lesson to the people on the other the receiving end. So the other thing this brings up is this I don't know maybe myth, mm. this certainly idea that. And it's rather an old-fashioned sort of Mm. patrician idea. But to succeed in business, Mm. one of the assets that you will require is a good handshake. Good hearty handshake. (laughs) Exactly. Do you think that's true? And if it is true, or to the extent to which it's true, what do you think is a good handshake? And how could I, maybe the possessor of a poor handshake... How could I develop a better one? Well, I mean, I, when I've done this in workshops, it's quite funny seeing what, what different things emerge because people like to experiment and play and sometimes they like to almost rip off other people's handshakes that have been tried out on them. It's quite a blow. So the the, the yeah. Bill Clinton one, which I think is uh, you, you grasp the other person's hand with your right hand yes, and then with your left hand... You reach their, their elbow, yeah, their elbow or their <laughs> yes, upper arm. Or their upper arm. Yes, no. So this is absolutely amazing because it feels like um, it, it's partly sort of hinting at almost an embrace. Mm. So there's this kind of there's this implied warmth, but you're also pinning them down, yeah. and it's really it's 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 striking. Uh, the 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 handshake um, uh, show of the century was in the the first year of uh, Donald Trump's presidency, and Trump is a. Uh, uh, basically, just a, 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 a very dangerous and aggressive human, and his and he would publicly in front of cameras would pull people off balance. Do you remember mm, him doing yeah, this? Yeah. He did it initially with I think Neil Gorsuch was the first person I saw him doing it with um, when he was yeah, being he, appointed. He to virtually the yanks their arm out of their socket. That was it, and he did it again. I remember him doing it with a I think a Japanese diplomat who was uh, coming to talk to him, and uh, but the and so it was he was definitely using that physical contact almost as the first move in a, and the last move in a sort of judo match. <laughs> yes. um, so I think that the, the, the you know, even though the, the Clinton version may be slightly kind of controlling and a little bit sort of like, there's also a sort of general, general ownership mm. of it. There's an amazing painting as well, which I, which I get up, we'll put in the show notes for this, um, called The Surrender at Breeder by uh, Velasquez. Have you ever seen this? No. Uh, well, basically, it's about a, 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 vic- a victory from the Spanish Imperial Army in the Netherlands in which the mayor of Breda is handing over to the visiting general the enormous keys to the town. Um, and the general 
he's kind of he's leaning forward and the general is reaching over has his hand on his shoulder with a smile on his face so it's kind of like this gracious victory um I, I believe that the battle itself was absolutely horrendous it was the end of a bitter siege so this is very much a propaganda picture but the story they're telling is one of generosity and don't worry you're safe now we're all we're, it's over um so, uh, so I do think that sometimes that touching can be a sort of yeah as you say patrician or there's something very kind of like I, I own you now so what um, else can you do to develop a stronger handshake if you feel that's something that would benefit you? Um, well, I, I basically, I'd, I'd suggest the point is that it's uh, what are you what are you trying to say about the connection between you and another person? And I think sometimes a limp handshake can feel like I'm reluctantly touching mm. you. Yes. Um, and I think whereas uh, you know you're not, you don't want to reach out and do them a tremendous crush. Um, in the way that, uh, well, in the way that Macron did to Trump once he'd watched enough videos of Trump doing what he did to other people. Um, but I think, uh, but yeah, I think just re reaching out like, um, just I think there's a deliberateness mm -hmm. about a strong handshake. And uh, obviously you can't absolutely plant into somebody else's brain what this means. But I think you can think about, uh, about what, when you're reaching out to somebody literally, physically, thinking about, uh, I, I want to be here. And I think that can sometimes be reflected in the physical rhythm. I, sometimes I, I saw, see sometimes young fellas in our sort of training sessions, and their arms will almost like swing round from the outside um, as if, and, and they're, they're inviting you to do the same. So the hands meet in a tremendous kind of clap. Almost like a high five. Well, a little bit like a high five. And like a high five, I think there's almost a sense of this is uh, the two of us could fight, but we're choosing to play. Well, that, that's the origin, isn't yeah. it? That you're, you're putting down your sword and mm. extending the hand empty, which was used to carry a weapon. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that sort of dance between potential violence and friendliness is, uh, I, I feel you, you find it, I think, sort of smuggled into quite a lot of the the sort of the, the language and the physical language of the way we engage with strangers, particularly in business circumstances where we each have separate account books and we're balancing things out and we're trying to make justice um, is a really important part of the way we're connecting with each other because we're representing um, organizations rather than just our own um, uh, needs. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Where else do you see tactility coming up other than in handshakes and outside of family? Yeah, well, I suppose for me this this is relevant because so often people, when we're talking about the challenges of communication, want to come back to these questions of authenticity and honesty and candidness, um, the real me. And when we are at work, I mean, very often people are saying to me, this is almost like I, I, I dress up like this, I put it on like a hat. Um, so it's almost like it's a disguise and a lot of their behavior, are, uh, the, the behaviors um, uh, are alternative ways of engaging with people that they are doing for work. Whereas the real version of them is slightly more vulnerable, um, slightly more emotional, and therefore more likely to physically trust people. Um, and so I think that there can sometimes, it raises this question about, is there a place for a slightly less, okay, how do I put this? So I'm thinking about sort of one's, um, okay, I'm thinking about one's natural sort of tendency. So if I think of myself as a tactile person, Okay, um, then there is also the risk that that can end up with me crossing the line or mm. being creepy, um, and I mean, that is. I generally find you very creepy. very creepy indeed, of course. Um, and but if you're not a tactile person, then there's also the risk that you'll come across as standoffish or uptight. I mean, these are these are ex I mean, they're, they're just they're just uh, general judgments that we can use as a shorthand, and uh, they're never the, the the whole picture. And as we said, some of them will be cultural. I'm sure there are but, French people who just had to learn that. British men, particularly British British men of a, a previous generation, don't like it if you kiss them on both cheeks. <laughs> and true. so they just have to learn, okay, c'est un anglais. And of course, if, you, if you're working in an international situation, of course, then it's such a, a minefield because mm. you everybody knows that everybody is kind of guessing all of the time. We're not in a kind of a, a set set of rules. I remember a session once I did in Amsterdam in which we were uh, – just the, the the cause of colossal mockery from the Dutch people we were being working with because we were British and we would never take our all our clothes off when we go into a work, yes. into a work sauna. And the yes. idea of a work sauna I is know. absolutely uh, appalling. Might as well say work people. orgy, but it's just <laughs> just unbelievable. Absolutely true. But these are yeah, these are just cultural norms. <clears throat> absolutely. But I, I think, but maybe the, the, so. It's, it's partly to do with people wanting to find more connected relationships in, uh, at work, and I think that this is. It's a particular issue now coming out of the pandemic because everybody, I think, is slightly psychically traumatized by the distance. I, I, and I think it's generally true. I mean, speaking as an Englishman, particularly as people get older, there's simply less and less physical contact. And this is a very serious problem, for example, among elderly people who are widowed um, and particularly men. Um, but I think also there's this, there's, there is quite very importantly a kind of a re renewal of uh, our sense of what is um, okay with the people around us, particularly men and women at work. So I'm thinking about the kind of the Me Too of the last 20 years, the sort of general license that um, privileged men tend to feel in terms of uh, kind of access. I mean, if you, particularly when you're in a position of power and typically, you know, the, the more senior you go in an organization, the more senior, the more men there will be there. Um, and uh, the... We, Two men talking about it should really acknowledge you don't have permission um, to go around touching people. No. Um, and, and in fact, I, I suppose what's, I mean, I was thinking of a, 
Let me think of a recent example. Okay, here's an interesting example. I remember once I was in the office and uh, in came a couple of performers from the Guilty Feminist show mm. who I'd never met before because I'd been living in Foster for ages. And I remember she, she came straight over and said, come on, give us a big hug. And it was kind of like it was this real, it was really interesting. And I, I remembered it going, this is unusual today for somebody to be quite that bold and quite explicit about permissions. I don't even know whether in the conversation was give us a hug was said, but it was physically said. Yes. So sometimes those permissions and those consents are tacit. Um, and um, rather than, you know, nobody was writing each other notes. This was the first time we'd met. This is very deliberately energized and playful and possibly was only going to happen in a circle where everybody knew everybody else and felt safe. Um, but I'm just very uh, aware that our alertness about the way those consents work and the risk of them being misinterpreted means that there is a, a kind of a quite a big reaction against it, which means that these days that plus COVID, I think means that people are perfectly happy now to sit 12 feet away on either side of the table and uh, shake and bump elbows <laughs> if yes. they want to. And I'm really interested in what the future is going to be like in terms of, uh, of workplace physicality. Um, it may be that people simply ping back to their own, own their own personal old patterns. And I think that's something that's we've kind of touched on, but I want to make it explicit mm. that your likes and dislikes, mm. your preferences, whether they are typical for the culture that you're in or whether they're highly unusual, mm. are yours. Yep. And it is so, so tempting just to assume whatever I like, whatever is normal for me, whatever I'm comfortable with, is comfortable for the majority or is comfortable for everybody. And that may not be true. It's so you have to get to know other people and you have to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, as Oscar Wilde said, don't treat other people as you'd have them treat you. Their tastes may not be the same. Absolutely true. And, and, and the, I think also the, it's, I think it can help simply to get used to exposing some of the of those questions directly and simply say, you know, you can say, are you a hugger when, yes, you, when yeah. you're meeting somebody for the third time? Yeah, great question. Um, and uh, and it's really, really and it's always interesting what the what the answers to that are. Because not only do you find out you'll get you'll you'll it's a relief to be asked yeah. if you want to be released from that uh, from the that social pressure. Um, but you also might discover things about why. I mean I you know I'm, I'm particularly I'm thinking of a couple of women I know. One who's you know, got kids, my my son's in. She's like absolutely. She's totally not the hugging type, and she laughs about it, and she foregrounds it when she meets people. She's like, "Don't touch me," and she she giggles. Um, so she's she's got a very sophisticated way of just making clear what her own boundaries are. I've got another friend who um, she was she's autistic, and when she was, and uh, in, in fact, when she was young, there was a a, a very misbegotten idea that if a child. Um, who was uh, on what we now think of as a spectrum, was rejecting that physicality that actually you could, you had to force them to hug you, which is incredibly distressing for a massive generation of kids with that neurology. So even, and I think within children, learning about that consent is something which I think is uh, is really important. Um, so there's, there's no reason why just because we're, we're figuring it out with kids, we shouldn't renew that uh, that deal with the adults that we work with. Uh, so do you have any homework which isn't going to get people listening to this podcast either arrested uh, or written up by HR? Um, I guess uh, the uh, I'm just interested in I see your question about finding out what other people's natural mm. style is. Um, and uh, uh, the 
if you can, if, if there is a, a, particularly when you're meeting up with people for the first time, look out for whether they want to give you a hug uh, and ask yourself whether you're happy to give them one. Um, you don't need to do it forever, um, but certainly when you're coming out of uh, lockdown and beginning to connect up with people for the first time in, in whatever, then maybe this is a, a time for acknowledging our, uh, that, that human side of us and maybe going in for the hug they're inviting mm. you for. I think the other thing I'd say is I think once you've made the call, be decisive. Yes, commit. Particularly if it's going to be a handshake. I've, I've seen people do the handshake hug dance where it's uh, one hand, <laughs> oh no, both hands. Oh no, one hand, oh no, both hands. And uh, it, that just creates an impression of someone who's who's dithering. If you're going to go in for the hug, if you're, you've got really strong evidence this is going to be warmly received, then go for it. And if you're unsure, maybe play it safe, but go decisively for a handshake. Yeah, and and, uh, and in fact, just one final thing is that you are going to screw it up um, and you have to <laughs> laugh about it. I mean, I think the mix of different sets of rules, the different um, uh, cultures that are kind of bolted together, um, particularly in big city working life these days, means that you are inevitably going to crash into another person's assumptions some of the time. Um, and there isn't going to be a time in our lifetime, I don't think, Tom, for all of those things to get harmonized and sorted out. Um, so particularly at the moment in 2022, um, uh, let the physical chaos continue and let's uh, have a sense of humor about it, in order, partly to, uh, to rescue other people from disaster as well as ourselves. Uh, so we don't run workshops on hugging and handshaking, <laughs> although maybe we should, uh, but we do run workshops on all other kinds of communication, whether it's sitting down with somebody face to face, whether it's pitching for new business, whether it's delivering training, all of those kind of things. Whenever you're talking to someone else, if you have concerns, we may be able to help. Please drop us a line at info at the-spontaneity-shop.com if you have uh, tactile workplace disasters to share with us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, and uh, please like and subscribe uh, this podcast because it will help to grow its listenership. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, until next time, I'm Tom. I'm Alex. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. You have been listening to You Can Talk to Anyone with Alex McLaren and Tom Solinsky. The producer for The Spontaneity Shop was Tom Solinsky. You Can Talk to Anyone is distributed exclusively by Acast.